1: This episode is presented by Minnesota's very own Ticket King. For tickets for an upcoming game or concert, visit TicketKingOnline.com or a quick link from the 1500ESPN.com sports calendar page. TicketKingOnline.com, 612-341-4141. The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings... We present Bonus Chatter. Bonus Chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast.
2: And welcome into another episode of the Purple Podcast. Matthew Collar with you. Joining me from Green Bay is Ben Gessling. Uh, Judd and I put an RIP on the season right when the game ended, as we were waiting for Ben and his locker room duties. So we'll play that for you in just a couple of minutes. But this needs to go first, Ben Gessling, because the defensive backs admitted post-game to the media that they blatantly went against the game plan of Mike Zimmer which is something that we have not heard anything like this before under Mike Zimmer as the head coach and is quite the fascinating development.
1: Yes, it is, and and I will start by giving you the blow-by-blow of exactly what happened in and what sequence. And uh, to our listeners out there, pardon my voice. I'm fighting a cold, so if it goes out, um, just go ahead and laugh. Uh, there's going to be some moments where it goes out. Rub some uh, dirt on it, Ben. You have my permission to laugh at me and mock me. That's totally fine because I sound ridiculous. I realize that, but I'm going to try to fight through it. Um, So after the game, Mike Zimmer, in his post-game press conference, got asked about Xavier Rhodes shadowing Jordy Nelson. Zimmer says, well, that was the plan, but then someone decided they didn't want to do that. Like, okay, that's kind of an interesting thing to say. And then he got asked about it again. Zimmer says something to the effect of Terrence Newman came over to me and said, I can cover these guys, or I can cover this guy, meaning if Nelson is on my side, I can cover him, meaning let me play my left side and and we'll be fine. Zimmer tells him, do your job, which is a a common Mike Zimmer phrase. And and, uh, in this context, it meant um, play against whoever else is out there. Well, Xavier Rose shadows Jordy Nelson. Second half. They finally put Xavier Rhodes on Jordy Nelson, basically kind of shut Nelson down, among other things. He had two catches in the second half after posting 145 yards, two touchdowns in the first half. So then we go to talk to a couple of cornerbacks about it after the game. Captain Munerlin said he didn't know anything about it. Terrence Newman got asked by a couple of reporters about it. He kind of walked into the locker room and said, I don't know anything about what was going on. And then we see Munderland kind of over talking to Xavier Rhodes. I mean, it looks like, okay, we're trying to get the story straight. So we go talk to Rhodes and Rhodes initially gets asked about it and says, um, he says, I don't want to talk about it. And then he says, you know what, forget it. And then he decides to get into it. So he basically said that they decided during the week, meaning the defensive backs that they were going to play their normal sides where Rhodes plays on the right side Newman plays on Newman plays on the left side, and they don't shadow anybody. That is typically what they have done against the Packers. They have not had Xavier Rhodes shadow Jordy Nelson, but Xavier Rhodes has not faced Jordy Nelson since 2014, which was his second year in the league. He's obviously a lot further along now than he was back then. So he basically said that they decided, independent of what Mike Zimmer asked them to do, that they were going to play a different way. And then... They go out and do it. Obviously, it worked uh, not at all because Jordy Nelson torched them in the first half. Aaron Rodgers was on point. Uh, I I think, what did the kids say, on fleek? Uh, (laughs) Don't really know what that means, but that's what the kids say. Uh, Whatever that means, he was doing that. And uh, the, the, the Packers had a healthy lead at halftime, and then they finally switched. But this is really the first instance we have of players saying, you know what, I don't, know that I want to do what Mike Zimmer is asking us to do, and, and the players that it was I think is important, because you have Terrence Newman, a guy that has been with Mike Zimmer his whole career, a guy that Mike Zimmer has said he trusts on a level like few other guys. I mean, a guy that Mike Zimmer has said could be a coach, a guy that sees a lot of things, and adds a lot to the Vikings game planning process just by what he sees. So You have him, you have Xavier Rhodes, a cornerback who I think probably would tell you that He probably isn't where he is in the NFL right now without Mike Zimmer. He has developed a lot under Mike Zimmer's watch. And then on some level you have Trey Waynes being involved in this as well because he was going to be the other left cornerback when Xavier Rhodes is on the right side. So all of these guys who have spent a lot of time with Mike Zimmer are the ones that are involved in this. And the fact that they talked about it and the fact that Zimmer brought it up, you know, introducing that topic into... The, the discussion uh, of the, you know, the, kind of the news cycle, and then Xavier Rhodes decides, okay, I'm going to go out and say my piece after it seemed like he was told not to talk about it, probably by Captain Munderland, is very, very interesting. I mean, it, this has been a long stretch here. They've lost 8 of 10. I think guys are frustrated. You know, tempers are going to flare. But we haven't seen – I mean, it's basically his insubordination. And I'm not going to sit here and say they should or shouldn't have done whatever. I mean, I, I'm generally – Somebody that would say you should you should listen to your coach and and uh, you should do what your coach is telling you to do, but uh, the coaches also have to put you in the best position to win as well. It, whatever it is, it's certainly a, a striking development for a team that has uh, kind of gone off the rails here. Okay, Not so kind of has gone off the rails.
2: So, which way should we look at it, though, Ben? Should we look at it as? hey, this season just went down in flames, and when a season goes down in flames, especially when there are high expectations or a great start, then oftentimes there are problems that follow, that there are disagreements, that there are issues between players and coaches and and everything else because everyone's pointing fingers and looking around for who to blame. And I also think, um, as an aside to that, There is some carryover from last week because we heard some rumblings this week that some players were not all that thrilled with the scheme and the game plan of playing base defense against uh, the Colts and they were kind of embarrassed about uh, getting called out for uh, having a poor effort and things like that. So it just seems to me that when everything falls apart that these are the types of things that come out of it. That might be one option of a way to look at it. The other way might be this is a huge deal, not just because someone went against Mike Zimmer, and he's the head coach, but it's also the defensive backs, and that's like his baby, and that's what yep. he coached when he first came into the NFL under Bill Parcells, and for them to blatantly disobey him really says something about how the players are looking at Mike Zimmer right now.
1: I I, I agree, and I think it's more of the second one. And the reason I say that is they decided to do this during the middle of the week, which means that... This was something that the defensive backs were talking about, independent of Mike Zimmer, possibly independent of Jerry Gray. I'm not. And I'm not sure if Jerry Gray was in on this plan or not. The defensive backs coach, um, probably independent of George Edwards, the defensive coordinator. I mean, you have all three of those coaches have been coordinators or higher in the NFL, and if this plan was hatched by the players and the players alone, it was okay, we're going to do this and we're going to agree to it and we're not going to tell anybody and we're just going to go out and do it during the middle of the game. So, I mean, that it was that deliberate to me makes this a much bigger deal. I mean, it's one thing if they said in the middle of the game, fine, screw it, we're going to go out and do our own thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, This isn't working. We're going to go out and, and play the way we want to play. That's one thing. To go through the game planning process and say, no, we don't like this, so we're going to go a different way about it and then alma i mean it would be one thing if you said hey okay we don't feel comfortable with this game plan can we go to the coaches and talk about doing something different if they didn't do that if it was something where and we saw some questions we need to get answered here but if it was something where they did this and then the coaches didn't know about it which is how it sounds to me like it probably went that says a lot too about how much you feel there can be dialogue between players and coaches about what's going to work in a game plan all of that is to me what makes this more concerning than just oh you know they haven't won a lot of games lately tempers flare it's the end of the season you can kind of just brush it off I mean that that to me is a much bigger deal and it, it has a lot of ramifications for where this team is at because I mean one thing you hear I mean Mike Zimmer is happy to to, well, I shouldn't say happy because he's probably not happy that he has to do it. But he is certainly willing to publicly detail where guys screw up. And I'm not going to be the guy that sits here and says, I, you know, I'm not going to gonna chastise him for that because I hate that when media members cover somebody who is candid and then criticize them for being candid. I think it's, it's a good thing that Mike Zimmer tells you what's going on. He wants people to understand what's supposed to happen. But it does mean that players have to understand that, that it it means that players have to realize my coach is going to be out there sometimes saying that I should have done this and pointing out that I made a mistake. And then the media is going to come ask me about it as well. So there is that part of it. And the other thing is that, you know, Mike Zimmer, a lot of times will talk about where a player goofed up. I mean, I wonder sometimes if players are saying, well, when are you going to say when you didn't get a call right? And, and we've heard him do that from time to time. But in in the minds of players, I do wonder if some of that stuff from time to time is uh, in the backs of their minds as well. I mean, that's why all of this to me is, is going to be very interesting to watch. We don't hear from the team again until Monday, and it remains to be seen how Mike Zimmer will deal with this when he's had two days to sit and let it become a thing and probably – plan for how he is going to deal with it, but uh, this certainly is a topic that is going to come back up again on Monday when we're next out to talk to Mike Zimmer.
2: Well, two other guys came to mind uh, for me when this came out, when I started reading your tweets on it and things like that. Uh, one of them was Sharif Floyd and the other was Anthony Barr. Two yes. very, very, very good players on the, defensive, picks. on the defensive side of the ball, first round picks, who Mike Zimmer has not hesitated at all to I mean, I don't think it's an exaggeration to say crush when it comes to Sharif Floyd um, about his injury issues. And then this week on Anthony Barr saying that Barr had been coasting at times. I wonder. And then he comes after this game. Now, I wouldn't I would bet, Ben, that this is not the first time in NFL history that a head coach has wanted one thing and players have done the other thing out there. But it is is very interesting to me that Mike Zimmer was willing to tell the media about it. So then if you're Xavier Rhodes, you might say to yourself, you know what? Well, if Zimmer is willing to tell everybody our dirty laundry, then I'm going to do the same thing back to him because he's been smacking our defensive players around in the media a little bit, uh, especially with Anthony Barr, who I get the idea is popular in the Vikings locker room. Yes. I, I think a lot of guys would be pretty frustrated by hearing that a struggling star is going to be called out for his effort in games, which is the biggest insult. He's not. If you're saying, oh, this guy needs to do better technique in this or that, the player might say, well, yeah, I mean, he's been saying that to me all year, so no big deal. But when you call out effort, that's a totally different area you're getting into with a player, and it seems to me that this is the culmination of a lot of times that Zimmer has been, like you said, a little overly honest and a little overly critical of some very good
0: players.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, I I think there is a fine line here, right? I mean, you're dealing with a coach who... Has had a lot of very good defenses and knows exactly what he's looking for and knows what it looks like when it's done right and knows what it looks like when it doesn't work. And I, I think a lot of his MO, and we've heard him say this, is that these plans work if you do them to a T. And I, I think he probably felt like, if you guys trust this game plan, we're going to be fine. And, and there is some, I mean, game flow dictates certain things, and the Packers were not going to be in a situation where they had to throw the ball quite as much in the second half. But it is worth noting that when they shadowed – they put Rhodes on Nelson that they didn't really – the Packers didn't have as much success with it. So, I mean, I, I do get the, the, the line of thinking from Mike Zimmer's perspective saying this game plan could have worked and you guys didn't give it a chance. But there is also an element of being a head coach. And we talk about this a lot now. It, it's not just about being a tactician anymore. You are much more like a CEO than you used to be, and Mike Zimmer's an old-school guy and I think is, you know has grown into the role of being a head coach very admirably in a lot of ways, but I, I think as a head coach, you're always going to be learning, and I wonder if this is one of those things where the tone of managing people and the tone of how you handle adversity, especially in a season like this, I mean, this is more adversity than the Vikings event deal. With. You can talk about Adrian Peterson in 2014. You can talk about you know losing guys to injuries at various points or you know having to start a rookie quarterback in week four of the 2014 season it is an entirely different thing when you have expectations when you're coming off a division title and everybody's saying okay now what's next so that whole part of it I I think is is where some of this stuff can go sour a lot faster and I I do think that there is probably there's probably some culpability on all sides here I mean I think that for Mike Zimmer, the the lesson might be, you know, the, the the way that you phrase things and the way that you manage people um, matters, and and I think uh, I th- I think he knows that. But I think everybody's kind of always looking for that line, especially when you are uh, managing that pesky, oh so sensitive, coddled, uh, hyper enabled millennial generation <laughs> that uh, you and I are certainly a part of, if, even if we're an older part of that cohort.
2: Yeah, we're we're closer to the Terrence Newman millennial than we are the uh, Xavier Rhodes you and I. But I don't um, think
1: Terrence Newman is technically a millennial. I think Terrence no? Newman would probably be Generation X. Well, I think it, right. I think it's supposed to be 1982 is the the cutoff, and I was born in '83, so I'm I'm an old millennial, but uh, I am still technically a millennial. I, I like to think that I'm an old enough millennial, not to be um, the worst of that group. <laughs> I I grew up. I can remember life before the internet. I can remember life before Facebook um you know so it, it's not i'm not quite as insufferable at least from my perspective well as, see uh, some I, millennials. others may differ I but look i think at I'm, it... i think i'm lovely and uh, a, a a very fun and engaging person to be around
2: yes uh, more fun when you have you the full breath. and i have of participation
1: trophies that say that
2: <laughs> you do i tend to think of it as uh, the older generation always thought the younger generation was entitled and annoying because that's just that's just how it works i just is a total off the path here and then i've got another comment on all these
1: baby boomers that now complain about millennials were the ones that were that had people complaining about them when they were Growing their hair out and and burning draft cards.
2: Yeah, for uh, in college, I read a book that was written in Russia in the eighteen hundreds, and the older people were complaining about the younger generation not working hard enough. So
1: it's <laughs> we'll be complaining about that in in, uh, in twenty years. When yeah, we're telling we cer- people to get off our lawns.
2: We certainly will. So now here's the, the purple question.
1: podcast. Get off our lawn.
2: Is uh, w- where do we where do we go from here, Ben? Because. This is awkward, right? (laughs) I mean, now you've got your superstar cornerback, who is a franchise player, no question, being the one who decides he's going to step up and and send the message over to Zimmer that uh, whatever, that they didn't think he was right uh, for the game plan or that they're tired. To me, him saying it it indicates that they're tired of him bringing these things up uh, in the media more than anything. But now, how do, where do we go here? Because we're one week away from being in the off season. Zimmer can't come back next week and bench all the cornerbacks for going against right. him uh, because there aren't enough cornerbacks to fill in.
1: Yeah, but, especially but, when Mackenzie Alexander's on IR. R-
2: right. We go into the off season Now, to me, uh, I had even hinted just a little that there will be more of a spotlight on Zimmer's job next season. I think this puts a lot more pressure on him as we go into the offseason for people to be always drawing back to this event, Say it, you know, when there are troubles as we go forward, that it will be, hey, remember, the players turned against him. Remember when the players turned against him. It, I, I think it definitely uh, he was going to probably get a pass for a giant collapse because of all the things that went wrong and all the injuries, and now I think this puts more on him.
1: I would agree with that, and I think, I mean, we've talked about it this year, that we've all noticed a little bit of a difference in Mike Zimmer in the sense that I think even in training camp, you could see that he knew there were expectations on his team now and that it was going to be, okay, you won a division title, you beat the Packers, that's great, now what do you do next? Is it time to, I mean, the, the, the Super Bowl talk that we all heard in training camp and beyond that The Vikings did not shy away from that whatsoever. They embraced it. Adrian Peterson said, if you're not thinking about the Super Bowl, you shouldn't be here. You should go be somewhere else because that's where this team is going. And it's kind of striking to think about that now. But that was the expectation. There's no question about it. And when you come out of that and you didn't get there, you're you're not going into year four for Mike Zimmer. You will have made the playoffs once you will uh, yet to have won a playoff game and it's possible you will have two losing seasons in three years i'm not saying that he's going to be on the hot seat necessarily but there's going to be a more attention on how he rebounds from this because going into this season we heard a lot of people talking about how this was the next up-and-coming team and, and they have this great foundation with the coach and the quarterback and, and it, it's just it's it's striking how quickly things change in the NFL. And, and none of this is to say that this is a team that's, that's crater, you know, cratering or teetering off of a ledge or whatever you, you know, whatever metaphor you want to use things in the NFL are never as bad as they seem. And they're never as good as they seem. And, you know, this pendulum that we kind of talk about all the time, you know, build them up, tear them down all this stuff. It is not as realistic as we on the outside kind of try to portray it to be sometimes, but there is going to be more of a focus on how do they come back from this and there this is going to come up there's no question i mean to have xavier rose i mean it was just it was interesting to be there to stand there and watch it because he's saying i'm not going to talk about it and then he pauses for a second and says you know what forget it and then okay i'm i'm going to get into this and and uh, to see a guy who i think is typically pretty cautious with what he says go there Uh, You could tell it was something he felt strongly about and wanted to get off his chest.
2: Yeah, yeah. And and I always kind of feel like Xavier has been a good soldier when it comes to pretty much anything, that he is always the do-my-job kind of guy. And for him to come out with that and really put – put it on him and his shoulders, instead of Newman doing it, it's interesting that Rhodes did it. Uh, Newman would more likely be the guy who says, ah, you know, I might retire, I'm a free agent, I'm not going to be here. But instead, it's Rhodes saying, whatever the implications are after this or uh, whatever happens that, that comes from it, Forget it. I'll I'll deal with it because I'm going to say what I need to say here and get this message out. That and
1: let's not forget Xavier Rhodes is coming into a situation where he's going to be negotiating an awfully big contract. Yes, in the near future, and and a, that and a much should deserved should be considered as well. Yes. yes, much deserved, no question. But uh, that is, you know, for a guy that is going to be among one of the higher paid quarterbacks in the NFL in the near future. Uh, it's an interesting strategic move. Not saying it's a bad one necessarily, but uh, just interesting. and It's telling, I would say.
2: Well, what I always think myself is if you're a great player, you'll be there through multiple coaches yep. probably. Yep, then that's ev- true. Every team in the league knows that it's a lot harder to replace a pure number one cornerback who can shut Correct. down almost any receiver in the league than it yep. is a head coach because there are lots of smart guys out there who are coaching. Now, this uh, will be fascinating to watch how this plays out throughout this week and then i guess uh for the foreseeable future really mike zimmer versus the players uh it kind of reminds me ben of what happened last year with chip kelly where chip kelly came in as genius and he got a ton out of nick Foles, and they made the playoffs back-to-back years but then as soon as it started to crumble a little bit uh players started coming out and saying they didn't relate to him and they didn't like where, where he was taking the team and then he eventually had to go so I, I guess we'll see where this ends up going with Mike Zimmer.
1: Yeah, I, I'm like I say, I'm not ready to get to that point yet. I, I don't think that we are at that level, but I, it is certainly the first time that you sit there and wonder if the flip side to Mike Zimmer's approach has some things he has to deal with. I mean, I, I don't think this is something that's insurmountable for him or, or for this team, but it does give you a little window into the fact that there are disagreements at times and that not everybody is going to ride in a cloud all the time. There are going to be things that don't go well and there are going to be disagreements and there are going to be hurt feelings and hurt egos and all of that stuff that's going to be part of it and uh, that that's part of managing a successful program is how do you balance all of the, the, the schematic stuff out but how do you also – manage people and get the best out of them all yeah. the time. And, and that's that's why these jobs are so hard to do and so hard to keep and why the guys that do it well get paid so well because it is an awful lot to manage and to be able to succeed at.
2: Yep, and when you lose eight out of your last ten after starting five in a row, nobody survives. Nobody walks out of that building except for Daniel Hunter will. But n- nobody, <laughs> nobody outside of Daniil Hunter will walk out of that building and feel like there's no criticism on their shoulders, and they're feeling great, and they had a great season, and that's the end of the story. Every person uh, will feel more pressure as we go forward. So, Ben, yeah, Adam you. Thielen
1: might be... Uh, oh, Adam Thielen, yeah, uh, good point. Great game. As well.
2: Great game today for Adam Thielen. <laughs> Mr. He's really, Mankato forever. Yeah, he's really... Uh, that's right, yes. Okay, if you want to pat yourself on the shoulders for being great at Mr. Mankato, we will see, because I have not been in Mankato yet, so it is uh, a new person on the rise here
1: three in a row come at, come at me <laughs> three well i look forward to kramer that. couldn't get me you're not gonna get me either come I, at me i am already well, looking forward to that well ben we will thank, duel at Blakesley stadium in july
2: thank you very much for your time for uh stopping by from green bay and uh i wish you the best in both your travels back don't have your plane slide off any runways and uh the best to your family as well as uh, we are in the holiday season
1: Yes, uh, I will. I'm will. i actually driving back later tonight, so I will be
2: uh, oh, you traversing,
1: are, right? traversing uh, Highway 29 through Wisconsin. It should be a, a lovely evening on uh, the central Wisconsin roads.
2: All right, thanks a lot, Ben. And uh, now coming up, Judd and I, as soon as the final play happened, we talked about the uh, season being officially eliminated, what the offseason is going to look like, all the problems that the Vikings have to solve. So that is now.
1: Hey everyone, Phil Mackey and Derek Wetmore here from the Touch 'Em All podcast Now, the Twins might not be very good in recent years, but our podcast is pretty damn good Phil, that's a little bit of a stretch Okay, our podcast is, is pretty good Well... Okay, we have a podcast You can find us Talking Twins on iTunes, Podcast One, and 1500ESPN.com every week
0: Zolgad, Matthew Collar. And this one, Matthew, this one does it because the Vikings lost to the Packers today, assures that the Vikings, after a 5 and all start, will not be in the playoffs. It's something that we could have surmised probably two or three weeks ago, uh, but as far as the ugliness factor goes, I actually think there's some Vikings who, if you gave them the alternative, would you rather be trapped for five hours on an airplane stuck in mud in Appleton or actually have to be trapped in Lambeau Field getting your butt handed to you by the Packers, might say, we'll get back on the airplane and you can trap us again and get us off on the cherry picker after 10 hours.
2: Yeah, I can't wait to break down all the weird things that happened during this season when we get to the end, but not so weird, maybe should have been expected, was Aaron Rodgers picking apart the Vikings defense and just destroying him on this day having a masterful classic Aaron Rodgers performance and just reminding us Judd that the quarterbacks rule that all season long you can rely on your defense you can hope 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 that your defense and your special teams are going to keep you in games but unless you want to have one of the all-time greatest defenses yep. you cannot win that way it is not a way to win, and Aaron Rodgers just came to Lambeau Field today and reminded everyone I'm the guy who wins. The teams with the great quarterbacks, this Packers team, not that good. Not that good as an overall team. No, you can
0: score points on them.
2: Their defense, very mediocre. Yeah, you can score. Sam Bradford's going to end this game with a good quarterback rating, but Aaron Rodgers reminded everyone the quarterbacks win, and I'm the best. And he smoked the Vikings' defense, and all
0: they can do – is just tip their cap and say, today, you were my daddy. So put into context for me, after uh, a training camp that started with Zimmer trying to tell us, you know, people don't believe in this team, and we all said, BS, Mike. This team was good. You won the division title. In fact, go back a year ago at Lambeau Field, you went into Green Bay, won there uh, to win the division title, and got to the playoffs. You start 5-0, Bridgewater got hurt before that, but then you go get Bradford in a major trade that cost you a, fourth, a first and a fourth-round pick. Put into context for me the disappointment that this team should feel now as they, uh, as they come home for their last game, and it's meaningless. Oh, I uh, mean, this is yeah. how, how big on the flame-out scale of, oh, my God, this thing's a disaster. Where does this one rank to you? It's a 10 out of 10. Oh, I, don't,
2: okay. I don't think that it can be much worse than starting 5-0 And looking like you're in the driver's seat in the NFC, not just in the NFC North, but in the entire NFC, that you'd be looking around at the NFC going, you know what? There's no true, purely dominant team. We can be that. We can be the team that gets into the softer part of the schedule and just cruises the rest of the way. When they beat the Panthers and the Packers early in the season, we all felt like, man, they got through a really tough schedule to start. And here's the thing, Judd. There's two, There are two common statements when we talk about the 5-0 and start and what happened. Statement number one is, well, we should have seen this coming because there was some smoke and mirrors in those with, first couple games. I don't agree Statement number two is, yeah. well, the injuries were just too much. And I don't agree with either one of those statements. I, I, I look at it as there was a lot of repeatable results in those first five games that they didn't make adjustments and other teams made adjustments to them. Mm-hmm. There were two losses that never should have happened, if not for a disastrous situation with Norv Turner changing up the offense. There And yes, there were injuries, but there weren't good reactions to those injuries well, outside of signing Jake Long, which was a good idea. And
0: don't forget, too, that that there were results that were impacted by the fact that they were told, your kicker has lost his marbles. Get rid of Blair Walsh, and they wouldn't. Stubbornness plays a role here, and I I think stubbornness from a front office standpoint and coaching standpoint, Matthew, plays a role because we also looked at a defense that at least these last two weeks didn't adjust a lot. Mike Zimmer has fundamental principles to his defense that he believes works, and it seemed like these last two games, when some good quarterbacks started to pick those things apart, we didn't see adjustments. But the Blair Walsh thing, to me, was inexcusable because you knew the second that you departed TCF Bank Stadium after the loss to the Seahawks, you knew that this was a potential crisis situation. You didn't bring in competition in training camp for Blair Walsh, and basically you coddled him and coddled him and coddled him, and you never applied pressure, and therefore, when pressure was applied, he fell apart. So – That plays a role to me. The other scary thing about this, too, is a year ago you said to yourself, the Minnesota Vikings are in really good shape. The offense isn't great, but they got Peterson, Bridgewater. It's not terrible. The defense looks really, really good. A year ago you came out of the regular season saying, there is a window that's open here now, and it looks pretty good. As we sit here today and have this conversation, it's not that I don't think the defense is good, but if you look at this offense going into the offseason – It's filled with question marks. I mean, a lot. There is the window, and this is the difference in, I think, a lot of sports and football. The window in football is really fleeting. And so the conversation that we had a year ago no longer applies. You can argue that the Vikings need to, at a minimum, Matthew, uh, replace three-fifths of their offensive line, will have no starting running back, have question marks in my mind at quarterback, Bridgewater or Bradford, I mean, you are looking at a situation now offensively where this thing is filled with potential holes.
2: Okay, allow me to touch on point A and then point B that you just made there. The stubbornness might be the word that I would put up on – they're building a new practice facility. Just put it on the outside on a big, giant banner because – if you were to ask me to describe what brought this season down in one word, yeah. I think I would say stubbornness. It was stubbornness that probably allowed them to keep North Turner around longer than they should have. Stubbornness that forced them – to not be able to punch the ball in from the one-yard line in multiple games. They're in that Philadelphia game if they could get it in in the red zone. They're in the Detroit game. They probably win the Detroit game if they could get it in in the red zone. And so many times this year they decided, you know what, we're just going to go with the I-formation, hand it off to Matt Asiata at the goal line, and how many field goals were they forced to kick because of that? The stubbornness of, I guess, even Mike Zimmer in coaching with one eye, but then his just general disposition, and then the stubbornness to keep playing TJ Clemmings, which is a major part of the meltdown of this season is playing the worst left tackle in the NFL when it was clear week five I wrote the article this is not hindsight
0: I wrote the article you cannot continue to play this player well we sat we sat together during the Houston game when they went to five and all I remember we sat there and there were enough plays in that game where we both said if there's one concern coming out of the bye." it's they're going to get Bradford killed. Mm-hmm. We said that on multiple times that day at that game, and that's as you're going to 5-0 in what was a pretty convincing victory over the Texans.
2: Yeah, no, and and, and that's the first point, is just that there have been plenty of times where being stubborn, I think, has hurt this team. And uh, the other point about where they need to go, I mean, that'll be our offseason full of podcasts, but there are so many questions on the offensive side that, Okay, you're going to have a lot of money if you decide to part ways with Adrian Peterson to spend potentially, but it might not just be the offense that has all the questions. Captain Munderland leaves. What are you going to do with that position? Because Mackenzie Alexander and Trey Wayans together showed nothing. Terrence Newman is 38 years old. Are you going to rely on him to be a starter next year? Anthony Barr's fall off has been one of the worst from season to season that I can ever remember for a star player to go from elite, one of the best, to ranked by pro football focus in the bottom 10% of the NFL. So now all of a sudden it's, not just offensive questions, but but questions on defense too. And if you would have asked me at week five, and I wrote the article after week five, what's what's the deal with uh, Sam Bradford long term? I would have said he's your guy. This is your quarterback. And now after watching the second half of the season, yeah, I mean his quarterback rating's good, his completion percentage is good, but I have a tough time being fully sold on Sam Bradford as the franchise quarterback who can actually get you over the hump unless in some way everything goes perfectly and you end up with Dallas's offensive line and Denver's defense from last point, year and all the great wide receivers and everything.
0: There are less than a handful of quarterbacks, uh Brady, Rogers, Wilson. There's there are very few quarterbacks who you could give this offensive line to and left tackle and say, go to it. Bridgewater could have moved more, but I'm not sure that, that he wouldn't have also started to see ghosts as well. I mean, this the fact that you landed on after Khalil got hurt, and then you brought in Long, and he played okay and got hurt, and the fact that you basically put TJ Clemmings out there to get killed, I honestly believe that TJ Clemmings might be done as a player in part because there's no position he can play now where his confidence won't just be shot, right? I mean, he looks incompetent. And at, hey, listen. The first couple games that you played him at left tackle, I could see the Vikings saying, "Okay, it's not working. He's not good. He's not good there. We wish he was better." But, but going back to what you're talking about, at some point in time, too, don't you have to pull the plug and say this is irresponsible? By now, we are we are doing TJ Clemmings, Sam Bradford, and by the way, our entire offense a complete disservice. Yeah, and I know that, and that's and that is stubborn. Yeah.
2: And now, there's two two 2020 hindsight things that you could look at this with. Uh, one of them is you could say, well, why didn't you give a chance to Rashad Hill, who you signed off somebody else's practice squad? It couldn't have been worse than this. He's ranked dead last in the NFL by pro football focus. Clemmings is, it can't be worse than this. Guys on practice squads could probably do better. So you got a guy and you brought him here and you activated him and you never tried to play him. And Willie Beavers, I have no idea what's there with Willie Beavers. If there's any talent. But it would have been just as good to find out. Uh, And now you still don't really know if Willie Beavers can play because you've wasted all this time uh, with TJ Clemmings. The other part is there was a point in this season where the trade deadline came along and we all said, hey, Joe Thomas is on the block and maybe he'll be traded. And I know I know that NFL trades like that just don't happen a lot. But if you were going to save the season and save your window to win, feeling like this is the team that you built for, mm-hmm. maybe that's a move where you decide to go all in and make it happen as opposed to what they did, which was just live with it. And the other part is, uh, uh, as we kind of put an RIP on this season, how
0: many... Kind of. Yes. A full RIP. As, as this is a full RIP. The, Chicago they, game they, don't mean the, nothing. The playoffs
2: are officially eliminated. Yep. But, you know, the thing that I can't stop thinking about is, the hallmark of a Mike Zimmer team was supposed to be its mental toughness, no. and that has no. really not shown through, especially at the end of key games. I'll keep going back to Detroit. You had a chance to win. Dallas, you had a chance to win. Detroit, actually Detroit twice. You had yeah. a you had a chance. Final Washington. drive, Washington. You had a you great had, chance, in Washington. right? You and and these last two games, Colts and the Packers. I'm kind of just shrugging my shoulders here because I feel like all the wind went out of the sails, and it's just it's just kind of been over. But that's where I'll go back to is despite all the things we just laid out with all the problems and T.J. Clemmings playing and everything else, there were so many chances for this team to pull it off in the end and end up in the playoffs or have this game have mattered a lot more today, mm-hmm. and it just didn't happen.
0: I think there's a couple of uh, key things back to the point about – the mental toughness. One is, and I think Zimmer might have learned a lesson from this, but this also uh, speaks in a negative light to his players. They lose the game in Philadelphia, 5-1. So you're fine at that point. Now, you, you didn't play well in that game, but Zimmer gets up to the podium and he's all ticked off and, and calls his team soft. I think in retrospect, he would take that back because calling your team soft is a, is a big-time indictment of your players. That being said, I think in Mike's world, he thought – they're going to respond to this. And instead, they went backwards. And I'm telling you, no matter what you think of that Colts game, the locker room mentality after that Colts game underwhelmed me. That's a game where guys should be pissed off, right? I mean, that's a game where you should walk in, and instead of guys being on message from the head coach, they should be saying, this is inexcusable. What happened to And instead, you got guys like Linval Joseph talking about, well, we're going to have to go back and watch the film. There are times when the company corporate – football speak is fine when you just got done on your own field by the Colts who's not a bad team, but nonetheless, this was a, that was a must win game. And you're going back to the, we're going to have to go back and, and look at what went wrong. That, that's the time for whatever went wrong can never happen again. It's not excusable. This Vikings team as a whole, not every player, but this Vikings team as a whole underwhelmed me in the sense of lack of mental toughness when coached by a guy who, who, if you were to say, Mike, list your attributes, mental toughness would probably be a top three for him. Mm-hmm. This was not a mentally tough team. And to me, that's an, an indictment because you would think that a Mike Zimmer coach team would have one thing going for it, and it would be the fact that they are a bleep you team. We're not going to allow that loss to happen again. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And instead, we sort of got the corporate. Well, we'll go back and look at the film, which drives me. It's Christian Ponder. Well, it's all correctable. Well, hold on a second. No, it's not. You just lost a key game. It's too late to correct it, idiots. Tell us something. I think
2: that depending on next week, it will matter to how people go into the offseason looking at the head coach of this team because with these last two games, over 30 points for Andrew Luck, over 30 points for Aaron Rodgers, and those guys are the greatest. I mean, Aaron Aaron Rodgers' performance was a work of art. Oh, if yeah. you're if you're on that other side, you're looking at it saying, oh, my gosh, this guy is just the greatest. Him and Tom Brady, then there's everybody else, right? Um, but this was supposed to be, if you're Mike Zimmer, this was supposed to be what you do. This was supposed to be you're the guy who can figure out how to slow down Rodgers. And in this game, their defense, Green Bay's, was playing so poorly that – a couple of stops here or there by the defense. One turnover gets it done. And there weren't injuries to talk about with this game. Harrison Smith, give him a lot of credit for going out there and trying to play. It wasn't the same Harrison Smith that we've seen when he's at the peak of his play. The rest of the team is pretty healthy. I mean, what's, what is the excuse for being just completely trucked? I mean, I guess it goes to what I said last week was, hey, if, you know, you you're Clayton Kershaw. You'll give up some home runs to good hitters every once in a while. All right, well, now you just gave up back-to-back home runs, and I'm starting to think you're less Clayton Kershaw and more the third starter as opposed to being that great defense. And what we saw as the season went along after those first five games was teams beat the Vikings with scheme. Uh, and, and that is another thing that we didn't really expect from a Mike Zimmer team. We thought, you're always going to have you are always going to be on the right. smartest side of the field right and not be outsmarted by the other team today they were they today they were just crushed by a great player yep. uh Rodgers getting rushed by Everson Griffin and just spins out of it and runs for a touchdown that's just that's just beautiful but the colts outscheme the vikings significantly and these two back-to-back performances i think that they should have they should not have anybody calling for mike zimmer to be fired but I think that what you get is he wasn't, that conversation about his job and anything else wasn't even a thought in anybody's mind, even as they were falling
0: apart. And now it might be a little bit there. There might be an inkling. The disturbing thing about the Colts game, in my opinion, was that they didn't adjust at all until it was way too late. Uh, The other disturbing thing to me, and this is, you, you brought this up briefly before, but The Anthony Barr thing to me, we can't – because of Adrian Peterson, it didn't get a lot of uh, publicity or talk this week. But Anthony Barr, when the head coach has to call him out, this is a huge deal because Anthony Barr two years ago was the linchpin. He was the guy who you said, okay, if you're playing the Packers or the Bears, they don't know where he's going to be. And because of that, that makes the rest of this defense tick. And there was an element of surprise about Barr, and Barr's play was so good – that you're thinking to yourself, this was a great first round pick, and this is a guy who, for the next whatever five, seven years, is going to be fantastic, and he's going to be a matchup nightmare. And now we're at a point where he's been non existent all season. We're at a point where a month ago the head coach tried to defend him, which is fine. But now a month after the fact, the head coach is so frustrated that he bailed on that and actually was using you guys to get at, I mean, that's a last resort here. Mm -hmm. That is a going after a player like bar in the media is an absolutely. I'm at my wits end. I don't know what to do. I'm going to try and, and cause him to through either radio television or the internet to read a story and say, Oh my gosh, I've got to apply myself. But, That is a primary talker to me because Mike Zimmer's defense, I really thought, was dependent largely on what Barr could do, and now he's doing nothing. Mm -hmm. He's doing absolutely nothing. That's a huge deal.
2: And not only that, but uh, Anthony Barr's response was a really bad game against Green Bay. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. that's the response.
0: Is he didn't seem to respond.
1: He
2: did right. There wasn't one, and we'll see what happens against Chicago. But my guess but it doesn't is really matter. N- Nobody. No, because this was the game that mattered. Yes, the, the last were, two
0: games, the the Colts game and the Packers game were the two games where you said, "All right, whether you're hurt or not, whether you're playing well or not, just show up." And Anthony Barr didn't show up.
2: Well, it, he's non-existent. And that's the thing that when it comes to Zimmer and I've brought it up, I brought it up a little bit with Ben and he stopped me cold in my tracks, which is fair uh, to talk about Mike Zimmer in any way critical ha- is always going to be, it seems met with, Hey, 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 now he's the, he's the, a great coach for now. Yeah, right. For now. And, and all in and my, the point that I've just been making is that has been the thought that don't question Mike Zimmer and the questioning of Mike Zimmer, I think, next year gets ramped up a lot. Agreed. But there is some things that I think he could have controlled and done a lot better, which was uh, his clock management, the, uh, some of the conservative things at the goal line, the offensive coordinator situation needed to be hashed out before the season, not when you're 5-0 and and having retina surgery, not at that point. Um, but I will say, no one could have seen it coming with Anthony Barr no. And him, not Mike Zimmer, not anybody. No. no one he's, he's disappeared. Could have, could have seen that coming. Right. He's disappeared. And, and, and so when it comes to these defensive performances of late, and if there's criticism, when it comes to Zimmer on the defense, there are some players, you have Barr who isn't playing well at all. You have Trey Wayans who is just not looking like a first-round pick. There, you have Chad Greenway, who can't be on the field at this point in his career.
0: I think he's going to retire. So, yeah.
2: Yeah, right, and, and he, great, to worry about great, him. great career yeah, as a Viking. Yeah. But at this point in his career, can't be on the field because teams will just attack him. Mm-hmm. Harrison Smith was hurt at times, and teams totally went after Anthony Harris. So there have been a lot working against him, and until these last two weeks, the defense was still at the top of the league. It's just... The way the culmination of all these things, even though there are explanations for it, um, the culmination of all these things and this collapse, it just no one should get a pass when it comes to this. Speaking
0: of crosshairs, let's go uh, from the head coach upstairs to the GM. In 2011, Matthew, the Vikings uh, were a 3-13 and debacle, and after that season, Leslie Frazier didn't lose his job, but they stripped any front office personnel power from Frazier. It had sort of been split between Spielman and Frazier, and so for the 2012 draft, starting with that one, they said to Rick, you are the GM now. You are going to run the draft. We can, we can begin to take sole responsibility on draft picks uh, to Rick Spielman starting in 2012. Let me run through what I believe is a list of nine first-round-only picks since 2012. Matt Khalil, Harrison Smith, Sharif Floyd, Xavier Rhodes, Cordell Patterson, because you had three of them in 2013, Anthony Barr and Teddy Bridgewater in 2014, Trey Waynes in 2015 as your first rounder, and Laquan Treadwell in 2016. These are not all, it's not all Spielman's fault that all of these players that I read you aren't panning out, but I can tell you right now, I believe the list would be there. There are nine picks total, three are contributing at this point, and the rest are either hurt and are question marks. Mm -hmm. That, to me, seems to be a pretty high rate of uh, swinging and potentially missing on first-round picks. And just
2: even to pull it back a a little bit more, um, as a general manager, you build and you build and you build for the years that you can win, like we mentioned uh, the windows can be small when you don't have Aaron Rodgers. When you have Aaron Rodgers or Ben Roethlisberger or Tom Brady, your window is a decade plus. When you don't, then you get a short time where you could be a really good team, and then you hope that you get good enough quarterback play, or you hope in the playoffs that you can make a deep run or whatever. Right? And in terms of a window, this was it. And Rick Spielman pushed all the chips to the middle of the table when he traded for Sam Bradford, and in a way pushed his job to the middle of the table too and he will argue and I'm sure many would that the Sam Bradford trade worked out at the quarterback position that Bradford gave him good enough play to be in the playoffs a bunch of other things went wrong injuries the offensive line that there were many other reasons why it wasn't Sam Bradford and I would say it's it's probably some percentage of each one of those things but from the bigger perspective if you're the ownership, if you're the fans of this team and you're looking at the general manager and you combine what you just told me with all the draft picks, with the fact that they pushed the chips to the middle of the table and you didn't make the playoffs, yeah. it says you you should be under fire, too. You should absolutely. When you fall off from 5-0 and oh, to missing the playoffs, yeah. I mean, it it definitely should be. Hey, uh, general manager, what went wrong? Head coach, what went wrong? And then when you start looking at some of the details, you go, "How many first-round draft picks have you had that have been that have not worked out?" And then you've got a head coach who's probably going to run another one out of town in Sharif Floyd because he won't stop crushing him in press conferences. Like, and he's ticked off at Bar, and, and, who I think was his guy. Yeah, right, by he's, the t- way. he's ticked off at Bar. And Laquan Treadwell can't get on the field and the coaching staff isn't reaching him. And now some of that's on players. Some of it might be on coaches. It's just with Rick Spielman right now, the look is about as bad as it can be after making that trade and not having it work out. Because if you had left Sean Hill a quarterback or you had traded for Mark Sanchez, what would your record be? Seven and eight right now? Which I wouldn't have
0: done. I applauded when they made the Bradford trade. I said, good for you. That's a that's a gutsy trade, but looking at what you had at that time, it's a smart trade. The issue now, though, is is once again, and I realize it was it was because guys got hurt, but you end up with T.J. Clemmings, who can't block me, playing left tackle for a quarterback who you know can't move. Mm-hmm. I mean, Sam Sam Bradford for whatever Matthew disappointed you in the second half, Sam Bradford didn't really change his stripes. I mean, he was never going to become Rodgers when it came when it came to to feeling pressure. He is who he is and you provided him with a cone standing there to block for him mm-hmm. and and also what's not going to help Rick's cause is the 2016 draft has given you almost nothing. Yeah. Almost nothing. Uh, Lowest. uh, Alexander, uh, Beavers, Brothers, Boringer, Morgan, Weatherly. I think it's either going to be
2: the lowest or second lowest in the NFL percentage of snaps played by guys that they drafted in 2016, which Spielman tried to spin as a good thing in a press conference. Yes, he was saying that it's a good thing because that means those players can learn behind other players, which, okay, there's some merit to that. But it's not a great answer when. So we want no contributors from our immediate (laughs) draft class because they can go to school. And, And I'm with you on the Sam Bradford trade. And I wrote it and I wrote it again that the process of that trade knowing that this was the year that you had built for for a long time the process of making that trade made sense you almost never get a starting quarterback of his caliber in a trade it just doesn't happen a
0: week before the season a
2: week before the season makes it even crazier so the fact that they pulled it off i thought at the time and i will continue to think it made sense as a move however uh Even if you make the right play, if you're a poker player and you make the percentage play more often than not, Mm -hmm. or you make smart plays and smart risks or whatever that your process made sense, um, if it fails over and over again, you can't be a poker player anymore because – you lose all your money, which is exactly what's happened here. Well, the process for drafting Laquan Treadwell was not bad. I've said that a bunch of times. You needed a wide receiver there. You didn't know Adam Thielen was going to be a guy who could catch 200 yards in a game at that time, so you judged it at that time. Great. But, okay, it didn't didn't work out. And if it's just that one that didn't work out, all right, well, you know, some guys are busts. But when it's over and over and over again – and you made this trade thinking that this was the year you were going to win, it's, all right, now the pressure is on you that you can't get much longer after having a failure like this, is the way that I look at it for both Zimmer and Spielman, is next year, this year it was like, all right, okay, it's uh, everybody's happy with your work, but I'm- when it
0: falls apart like this, now we're all looking at. You. I would be very curious when when uh, Zimmer and Spielman address the Wilfs for their end of the season. This is our vision, where we're going. Conversation. I would love to hear it as far as where they see this team, honestly and offensively. I mean, we're not we're not talking about fixing a problem here or there. We're talking about three fifths, I believe, of your offensive line. Left tackles alone. If you just needed a left tackle, that's difficult. We're talking left tackle, right tackle, right guard, running back. Are you really going to bring Peterson back? And if you do, you've got got to restructure him. And I would argue that if you're Zimmer and you bring Peterson back, you're making a big mistake because my sense is that locker room is tired of Peterson and Peterson's going to be 32 and he no longer gives you enough to warrant you saying, but we're going to bring him back and, and treat him this way. The, Only way Adrian Peterson will ever expect to be treated by the Vikings, at least, is as a superstar. I don't care if they cut a salary or not. And if they come back and say, "Okay, at Winter Park, you're going from two lockers to one and you're no longer going to be the focal point of this or that. And you're going to be a role player. It's not going to work. They have enormous work to do. And the Treadwell thing can't be understated. I mean, this is a guy who played in nine games, started one game. He's been targeted. Matthew three times all season he caught that one pass Troy Williamson seventh overall pick in 2005 incredible bust incredible bust I mean we couldn't catch a cold awful right in his rookie season played in 14 games started three times 52 targets and 24 catches 24 catches Troy Williamson was awful he was a terrible football player and yet Laquan Treadwell caught one ball and in fact you thought so little of Laquan that not only only did he only catch one ball, you only threw it to him in in his direction three times. And I'll I'll always go back to, I forget the game that was played here, where you turned to me, and it might have been the Detroit game, and said he just ran the wrong route. And Bradford looked at him to throw the ball, and you could tell Bradford's like, that's not going to work. But all of these things, the indictment here of guys that haven't developed and or – Uh, spots that are going to to have to be filled Zimmer and Spielman have an off season of a ton of work and there's no guarantee that that work is going to fix it so that when they gather in Mankato for training camp next year that we're going to think okay things are great yeah which is what we thought this past summer
2: and here's another thing too they have to figure out whether they want to keep this offensive coordinator or not yeah and I mean, I guess I've been working under the assumption that Pat Shermer was going to be the offensive coordinator going forward, but here we are. Now, this offensive performance against the Packers, on paper, will end up looking really good. Um, Really, TJ Clemmings sunk it with a torpedo when Sam Bradford got strip-sacked, and Nick Easton snapped the ball to himself.
0: What a magic trick that was. I've never, ne- I've, I've ball never seen that happen. Got eaten by the ground, yes. And the Packers recovered. Yeah, that looked thirty-eight like- twenty-five was really 38-13, Is that right? Yeah, 13? it was much more like that because it was garbage time. But uh,
2: Nick Easton's snap kind of looked like me chipping out of the yes. rough, you know, yes. where you hit it and it just or goes you snapping.
0: Nowhere. Yeah, you couldn't do much worse. I could snap a ball like in that, a shotgun yeah. situation. Yeah, no, I could do better. No, but than I'm that. saying worst case, you couldn't do worse th- than that, but which I- was he he essentially. Spike the ball off the ground itself. Yeah.
2: I think if I was given a hundred of those, that at least one, that would happen to me. Um I'm also not a real center, so or maybe I just pick it up and huck it back and to and, make sure it didn't for, happen. Oh we but, know
0: Nick Easton might not be either. Uh I'm getting the idea that he isn't. Um well, I, you're getting the idea that the whole offensive line. Yeah. I'm only saying three fifths because Alex Boone, who I think did improve, yeah, but he he's a high price free agent addition, so he's going nowhere. Yep. and I think Joe Berger probably comes back at center because he's not awful. And why would you want? Why would you want to blow it up to say, okay, now we got to go find a left tackle, right tackle, right guard, and a center? Yeah, at but some the, point you got to say enough's enough. We got a couple guys in place, right? But with Schirmer, um, there's been a bit of
2: a lack of creativity there. Um, I mean, yeah, unless you call running the Wildcat creativity, it's been... Very rare. Which is Sperano, by the way. Yeah. That's it's, just
0: Sperano saying, hey, let's run a wildcat. Yeah. I, I've done that before. It,
2: it's been very rare that I've been impressed by offensive concepts. It's been a lot of the same thing week in and week out. Uh, there, uh, The ideas to they, – they started moving Bradford around a little outside the pocket because the offensive line was so bad. They started having the guard pull to make it look like it was a run play just to sort of freeze the defense a little bit. Like, he's having to work around it. It's the same problem with Pat Shermer that you have have a little bit with Sam Bradford, which is, like, I really want to criticize heavily some of the things that have been done, but then you have to remember that it's all being held back by the offensive line. So that's another decision that has to be made. Do you want to keep him? Do you want to go in another direction? And you're basically looking at retooling a huge percentage of the roster and now also a part of your coaching
0: staff, too, potentially. Do not underestimate a conversation uh, that is going to be brought up. And that's quarterback, the quarterback. And unless we get definitive word in June, the Teddy Bridgewater's leg is never going to be the same. And he's done playing as long as there is a hope that sometime during the 2017 season, that Teddy Bridgewater comes back. I'm telling you, there's going to be at least a semi divide at winter park about that, because there are going to be people who still love Teddy and who say, if Teddy can come back, he should be our guy. And, I really, it's the quarterback position, so it's always a hot-button position. But for anyone who just says, oh, don't worry about that, Teddy will come back and just be a backup. No, that's not how this is going to work. There will be people at Winter Park, and some of them very influential, Matthew, who are going to believe that if Teddy Bridgewater can come back from this leg injury that he should be the quarterback, and that's going to become a storyline.
2: And the tough is. the tough spot that you're in here with either of those two quarterbacks, although I wouldn't entirely say it about Bridgewater because we've never seen Bridgewater without Adrian Peterson, which is what I want to see. I know that there are limitations of hucking the ball down the field, but I think that there is still, at least I had this idea coming into the season, that there was still a ways to go for him, that he could still grow more uh, in terms of how good of a quarterback he's going to be. But if you end up with a situation where Sam Bradford's agent – who we know after what happened with Carson Wentz being drafted, how Sam Bradford's agent looks at things uh, with him demanding a trade and whatever else, um, you look at it and you say, are you going to be stuck with quarterback purgatory here where you're just good enough to have the 17th best quarterback all the time no matter what happens, whether you sign Bradford to a huge contract extension? Then you're probably asking to be in the middle with quarterbacks for a very long time, and hoping that you build a perfect roster around that quarterback, which with 32 teams in the league that's expanded a few times, it's very hard to do. And I think we saw this year, it's very, very hard to build a perfect roster around just a meh quarterback and win. Somehow the Chiefs have been able to be competitive and even pull off a playoff game, but... They've never really been a team that you thought, oh, you better watch out for them because their quarterback is that
0: 18th, yeah. 19th best quarterback in the league. He's not going to kill you, but he's he's not going to win Super Bowls for you. The Chiefs, teams like that to me, the Chiefs, the Texans, teams like that get in the playoffs, but they are always the early game on Saturday, right, in round one. The game where, where you're like, yeah, I got to clean the house. What should I, I'll i flip this Chiefs game on. And sure enough, they lose. That That's them. But, yeah, the Vikings are are going to have – it's going to be very interesting to see because I'm convinced that, that the head coach loves Bridgewater still. The GM gave up a lot to get Bradford, but he also was the guy that pulled the trigger on the trade to get uh, Bridgewater in the deal with Seattle to get back into the first round with that last pick. So, I am very – there's just so many offensive dynamics that we don't know about this team. And and as I said, my biggest fear, Matthew, is that if you're the Vikings, you're also saying, how many of these can we genuinely solve? I mean, how much of this line, how much of the offensive line can we really, really fix? Because the offensive line was porous, not this bad in 2015. And so what did the Vikings do? The Vikings, this past offseason, they went and signed Boone. But for the most part, they said, we're going to throw numbers at the offensive line. We're going to have a center competition. And we're going to have a right guard competition. Right? But... Okay, that's great. You're getting players in here, but are they good players? The answer is no. The only guy I believe that that went into camp with no competition was Khalil. Everyone else had competition. It didn't mean a damn thing. Guys got hurt, but you also, e- even before guys got hurt, that offensive line was no great shakes. Yeah, it was questionable and last so, year. So, so, Very if you're, questionable last so, year. so if your whole if your whole thinking process is okay, once again this offseason we're going to go get bodies. That doesn't help you. You actually have to get bodies who can play. And if Bradford is your quarterback, you damn well better go get bodies on the left side of the line that don't leave him dropping back in the pocket thinking, I'm about to be hit. And the Because he's useless then. And the question would be, where will these bodies come from? Uh, that's a great, and, and as you have said, the, uh, the open market's not good. Mm-hmm. And they have no first-round draft pick. And I believe if you look at the offensive line depth in the draft or quality, it's not there either. So, yeah, it's it's a huge it's a huge question mark.
2: I went through it um, just doing a little investigating uh, to put up a post about the tackles you could watch during the bowl season. And it got about three deep until you had guys being projected fourth round or beyond. Yeah, it got there's only uh, three or four guys who even qualify as these are going to be first or second round picks guaranteed. Unless Mm -hmm. somebody has a great combine and shoots up the draft board, you're only going to see a couple of tackles go off the board and probably only one, maybe two max in the top 20. And then in the second round, you're left with all big question marks. And it's very rare in the NFL that you can throw a guy in at tackle when he's a rookie because the techniques are often so much different. The pass rushers are so much better and more explosive and strong that it's very very difficult to be thrown in there as a rookie to play. So you're going to have to fill both tackle positions pretty much with a free agent. And there's only one good free agent tackle out there, and he's likely going to stay with his team. That's Andrew Whitworth. Mm-hmm. So now what?
0: So now that's, you, what, that's you, what I'm you, saying. You
2: better put your real genius cap on and start finding. I tell some you guys-
0: what you're going to have to do. I, I- I've said this before. You're going to have to bring Matt back to left tackle. You're going to have to send him to a short-term deal. You're going to have to hope he comes back on a short-term deal and basically tell him, make good on this. And if you make good, you're going to get a lot of money somewhere. And if you don't, it's over. But I think that the Vikings, the scary truth is, I think they're left with almost no other decision than to go to Khalil and say, here is a two-year contract. We'll pay it pretty well for two Mm -hmm. years. But we need somebody who can stand there at left tackle and not look. I mean, TJ Clemmings... That's embarrassing. It's embarrassing to him. It's embarrassing to the Vikings. Mm -hmm. It's embarrassing to your quarterback.
2: Yeah, because he never
0: drops back in the pocket and feels comfortable. Yep, and
2: uh, that's and that's what makes the conversation about the quarterback even more uh, difficult. Um, Last thing with you, Judd, is uh, how weird is this season, man? Like this has been the collapse. I think adds to the conversation about how weird this season has been. You know?
0: Well, you got.
2: You You got the plane stuck now. You've got your whole list. I got a list for you. If you want, all right, let's read the list so we can lighten it up here because it's been pretty rough on this.
0: This is, in my opinion, still not 2010, but it's inched far closer than I ever thought possible. Here, here is the list, uh, starting with, actually starts with this. Much like 2010, the story starts not with the beginning of the current season, but the end of the last one in the same calendar year of January. In 2010, January 2010, you play the Saints in that title game that, you know, if you look at it statistically, you should have killed them. You didn't. You lost 12 men in the huddle. I can go down that entire list, the far pass. This starts in January of this past year, TCF Bank Stadium, with the Blair Walsh miss, which was the precursor, really, of things to come. Teddy Bridgewater uh, snaps his leg in the August practice at Winter Park. And then we've got Zimmer's eye, Norv Turner quits, the plane stuck in at the Appleton Airport while taxiing on Friday night. Blair Walsh now comes back and has to be cut because he's so bad to tie into the Bridgewater injury, the Sam Bradford trade. Peterson hurt in week two, and then all the drama that's come since then with him trying to come back against the Colts and now not playing against the Packers. And it's, it's looking more and more like Peterson as a Viking could just be done. Uh, seven offensive line combinations used, including Mike Harris, your starting right guard last year, showing up for training camp on the non-football injury illness list and disappearing, essentially. Uh, you've got Zimmer calling the team soft after one loss. One loss, you're 5-1. and one. And then you've got him going out to the Toys R Us and buying the toys. And Mystery Man lopping the heads off some of those stuffed animals and putting blood on them. And then don't forget you've got your defensive coordinator sometime during the spring going to Taco Bell while drunk, getting the wrong order, leaving Taco Bell, getting all the way home, and then realizing after eating it and dribbling it on himself, (laughs) my order's wrong. I'm going back to Taco Bell to make this right. And getting pulled over at that point, so that's your, that's my 2016 Vikings list of just weird bleep stuff.
2: You know, I guess 2016 win for the Vikings, like it went for the rest of America with <laughs> uh, a very, a very tough 2016. Well,
0: well uh, now we're gonna get, now we're gonna let the Trump supporters are gonna come out. Oh, uh, that's
2: not. Oh, I was referring to Prince dying. Oh, okay, was, I'm sorry. That's yeah. what I was getting. Lots at. of
0: sad deaths. Um, this year, by the, the way. that's what I
2: mean. Very, 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 very sad. But uh, yeah, that's your so season. That's. It's been a wild one, man. It really has. And now it will be over next week. So Ben and I will do one more in season podcast in the middle and we'll All right. have great trivia with Chicago Bears quarterbacks because there's so many Guessing we'll struggle at this one.
0: You think so? This will be tougher.
2: Oh yeah. The Bears quarterbacks? Because he destroyed Packers backup quarterbacks. Mm. He was really good on that. I wonder how that happened. Uh He forgot Steve Bono was the one that he forgot. Oh, did he really? We will former Viking. Yeah, we will see. I don't know if he's a former Viking. Did he he play for the Vikings? I thought Steve Bono Um, did it. But he will be doing yes, Chicago Bears quarterbacks,
0: which there are so so many. But other than that,
2: Merry Christmas
0: to you, Judge. Merry Christmas as well. And uh, I'm sorry to all Vikings fans who at five and thought their present would be a long playoff run. And now, in typical Vikings fashion, it has all come crashing down. Happy holidays!